thank you all for coming along tonight for uh, this book launch. Um, and for those of you listening along at home on the podcast, uh, thank you very much for tuning in to these. Uh, by the time this goes out, you can tune also catch my podcast. Uh, can you believe it? That's the plug for the night. Plugity plug plug. Um, actually, I should mention that that in tonight's book, there are lots of plugs for the ABC, which is great as an ABC employee. I can't recommend that highly enough. Uh, tonight's book is about a girl, uh, and as it says here on the cover, a mother's powerful story of raising her transgender child. Uh, powerful probably doesn't even get to the half of it of how amazing this book is. Um, as I said to Rebecca when I got here, that I I don't I can't think of the last time I kind of I teared up and cried so many times during a book because uh, it is just such uh, an emotional and and empathetic and honest and raw uh, and informative uh, story, uh, especially for for those of us who, who may think ourselves to be worldly, but there's still so much we don't understand about a lot of things. Uh, and this book is incredibly illuminating. Um, so without further ado, uh, ado, uh, Rebecca Robertson and Georgie Stone, thank you for coming along. Hello. Um, the, the first thing I need to say is, if I say something wrong, if I use a wrong term or anything, I want you to correct me and pull me up. Right. And because the only way that people learn about these things is if they're told. So yep. please do no that. Um, and uh, apologies if I'm asking the same questions that you guys have heard a million times. It's all right. How many times do you think you've had to tell your story now? Do you oh. think? Especially you, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, like just with advocacy or just in general? Just Having in general. Too I mean, many times to yeah. count. Too too many times. Mm. Yeah, I can't even begin to to. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a lot. Yeah. Mm. Is it is it hard to not tell your story in just a rote fashion now that this is the? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I I try and I try and you know sometimes word it differently or try and take a different angle on it. Um. Um, just for my own sanity, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are times I, I really do enjoy it, in, enjoy talking about it. And, as, you know, especially in a setting like this, I'm really, really happy to be here and, and doing this. Um, but, you know, sometimes I just get, get a little bit bored, to be honest. <laughs> just just want to move on. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think too, though, as the conversation becomes more sophisticated... Um, over the years that we've been advocating, the questions have changed and I think we can go a little bit deeper um, sometimes as well. Um, so, you know, the, I guess the question that I get asked a lot and Georgia gets asked a lot was, when did you know? Or, you know, we both get asked that a lot. And um, I think um, that's um, both a simple question and a kind of complex one because there wasn't a moment there wasn't a particular moment I'm glad I don't have so that I've on saved my list you now. asking <laughs> that question not even damn on here. I've asked myself my own question um, <laughs> the first question I'm going to ask is is the obvious one that I'm sure George you get asked a lot but is uh, how did you feel when your mum said I'm going to write a book about you uh, I was really excited I was really excited um 
because often, you know, through advocacy when we're telling our story, it is, you know, through the lens of someone else's perspective and it's kind of edited around a kind of idea that someone else has. Um, but, but with mum writing her own book, it's thoroughly from her perspective, from the perspective of a parent and she has control over it. Um, and so often we don't have control over our own stories and our own narrative. Um, so this is a great opportunity um, to have our story out there um, uh, in a way on our terms, um, which, was, which was really great. I was really excited. And now you can just, when someone asks you your story, you can just hand them the book. Yeah. So Here's <laughs> one we prepared earlier. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, did you have any trepidation at all about it? I mean, I, yeah, it's it's a big thing because there there are lots of very vulnerable moments in that book, uh, very traumatic moments um, that we've experienced as a family. That's out there for people to read, um, and and that you know that that makes me nervous sometimes. But but mostly, you know, especially. Once reading it, I, I felt completely, you know, uh, at ease, I suppose. Um, and, and I also understand why those things need to be in there too. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, it was a bit, but mostly I was just really excited. Yeah. I, I guess your story, you have told your story so many times. Mm. There's, was there a little bit of a sense, well, most of it's already out there, so <laughs> that doesn't matter yeah. so much. Yeah, De definitely. <laughs> that horse De is bolted. De definitely, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and, but then there's, there's stuff in there that, you know, I haven't told anyone before. Um, uh, but, but no, it's, it's good. It's really good. And everything in there, like I read and, and gave permission for mum to talk about and same with Harry and, and dad and everything and everyone... Um, yeah. And when did you realise, oh, I'm going to turn this into a book? At what point did that sort of come along? I think it was a, kind of as a result of doing the media that we had done um, around um, law reform, um, access to uh, medical treatment for adolescents. And as Georgie said, a, a, a lot of the time our story was, was massaged to fit the message and it felt um, sometimes seeing our story out there felt alien to us. And it was after the last big kind of um, media thing that, that we did um, um, before law reform was achieved that I kind of went, oh, I just, I just want to be able to – there's no nuance there. You know, it's just these big, like, it's trying to chunky tell, often, points. Often that, trying to tell a story in a really small yeah, amount of time. Yeah, and you, you, you can't get the nuance in 26 minutes or 10 minutes or anything like that. You can't, you can't really feel the, 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 the depth of the, the struggle in, in that amount of time and the, and the, the little nuances of, of understanding that that take you to the the next um, uh, moment in in the story. So um, I I think that's that's when I really wanted to 
to take our story and to to create something that was um, a narrative that went all the way through. And I thought it was really a, important as well, given you know some of the more shrill commentary about trans and gender diverse children and adolescents, um, that there be a book where the reader was able to go from um, from birth through to adulthood so that you can see the trajectory of our lives and understand that we'll just have an insight into it so that um, uh, maybe some of those assumptions and stereotypes that, that are being promulgated out there in, in some parts of the media um, uh, can be dispelled because they're very stigmatising and they're very dangerous. Is that how you, how you pitched the book? That it would be that sort of f- from birth to adulthood journey, or how did you sort of how did you go to a publisher and say this is the book I want to write? Um, well, kind of the publisher came to me um, after the Australian story, and I'd been thinking about it for a while. Um, um, so it was really um, uh, right moment, right time, um, right people involved, the right story. Um, there was really nobody else who could tell um, the story of the family court process because the family court process was such that all the young people who went through um, were not able to publicly identify themselves because that's what happens in the family court. They're all, all the cases are anonymised. But Georgie had that um, anonymity lifted so that she could publicly advocate so she was re- literally the only young person in Australia who could publicly say, I've been through this, this is my story. And so um, we had that opportunity and we really needed to use it because um, uh, people were not telling the truth about about what was going on. And we were talking before we started about that, there's no other book really out there like this one partly because of the Australian perspective in it. Yeah, there's there's no other book that has the um, the 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 entire childhood trajectory with um, um, uh, the Australian context at all. So it, it does make it a really unique book. And a lot of that comes down to the, the way that the laws impact people and how the, the government has played a role and, and the social and, and cultural sort of things that are very unique to the situation as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Australia was the only jurisdiction um, that required its adolescent, trans adolescents to apply to a court to access medical treatment that every other child in the same circumstances in the Western world could just get by going to their medical specialist. So it was the only country in the world that required young people to individually litigate in order to access appropriate treatment for themselves. And the only reason why that had to happen was because they were transgender. So that law was entirely and wholly discriminatory. And not only was it discriminatory, it was also pathologising and it also made certain that some people could never access that treatment during their adolescent years when it was clinically appropriate 
And it also meant that many young people, and if you read the book, you'll see how close we came to treatment being so delayed that you miss um, once-in-a-lifetime chance to have the life that you want. So it was it was a terrible law with terrible consequences. Mm. You said before too that when you actually presented the book to the publishers, uh, that they kind of they got excited. They're like, "We really need to push this really hard," which is why you've been asked the same question so much in the last couple of weeks, especially. But tell me about that reaction that the publishers kind of had. Um, well, I sent the pages a little bit late. Um, <laughs> As with all good so, authors. <laughs> so they're a bit worried. Um, but um, uh, I, I'd, I'd found the um, writing about that that whole six years that we're involved in the family court quite difficult. So I'd written the first half of the book and the last bit of the book but not the middle bit. So that was a struggle. But when they finally got the pages that um, it was um, – uh, sent around Penguin and the CEO of Penguin read it and said, this is an amazing book and um, we really need to to push it. Yeah, so um, um, because I'm um, a rookie writer, I, I have to ask people, does this, what normally happens with this? Is this a usual thing or, you know... And apparently that only happens to one or two books a month because they release hundreds of books a month. So, yeah, really, really fortunate, very fortunate. Yeah. You're the one that all the other authors are jealous about, just so you know. <laughs> um, how did you find, having not written a book before, how did you actually find that process of, of sitting down and going through and, and planning it out or, or sort of mm. finding a, you know, a, a, an arc mm. in the book? Because uh, I'm an actor, that's my background, so I'm a storyteller already. I think I've got a really good instinct for story and, of course, I knew our story back to front. But writing a book is is kind of different. So I did have it planned out. I had it. I had a, a map and an arc. But um, it's different when it all comes pouring out of you Um and there's so much narrative that even I lost track of all of it. And one of the great things about um, having a publisher like Penguin is the the really good advice that you get and the really good help that you get too and a cracking good editor. And so um, um, they were able to help me structure it really well and um, and... You know, I wrote probably there's a quarter of extra book um, that that was um, edited out and um, it just cracks along beautifully. Yeah, so really, really fortunate to have good people around me. I, I found that I wasn't precious about um, getting rid of parts of the story that didn't serve... What was what was evolving, um, but I also really fought for other bits that that I thought needed to be in there. And because um, um, my publisher and editor didn't know how important certain sections would be to other families, or that's really significant in terms of the narrative, um, that it needed to be there. 
I'd I'd fight for those bits. But when when I say fight, it'd just be like, no, that's no. staying in. It wasn't a fight, really. It was no. just like, and they went, oh, okay. Yeah. No, you've you've had much bigger fights than that, was, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> There's Pretty nothing. Much, yeah. yeah. Um, did uh, well for you, Georgia. You mentioned before that, that some of the things that have happened in your life and that are reflected in the book were quite traumatizing. Mm. So did going through this process again, it, is it, uh, did it open old wounds or was it always a kind of cathartic in a way? It was I, both. I think I read, um, the first half of the book like in a day and I was like eating it up going, Oh my God, this is, this is incredible reading this. Like oh there God, are this Georgie character is amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, and, but there were also, because the first half of the book, I'm very young. There are things in there that, that I had f- forgotten and then came back to me and it was just like, wow, this is, you know, this is amazing. Uh, and then it got to the court and I'm like, I'm just going to put this down now and I'll start again tomorrow. And then I didn't pick it up for like two weeks, and then Mum was like, "Can you can you please read it because I need to get your opinion." And I was just I realised that I was dreading like going back to court and read it, reading it all and living it all again. I was I was really scared, um, and and reading that was was uh, difficult, um, definitely. Um, and and I suppose kind of just put me back in this place of of just fear. But I'm you know I I, I got through it and I, f- I finished the book and I'm really obviously really glad I did and um uh uh it, it's it's written so well as well. Um, but you know there are definitely parts in there that I read and made me really emotional, just because it's it's uh it's uh it's so well written that it really takes me back to to how I was feeling back then and what that was like and um and because a lot of those experiences were so long ago as well yeah yeah um yeah it it, that's I mentioned before it made me cry because it is so well written it really does express the emotion of it did did you find the same was it hard for you to go through and rewrite that and relive that I mean and 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 as Georgie says especially the court bit and I did avoid writing it until you know I was likely to get into trouble (laughs) until you had to until I had to write it and um I um I had this this stack you know about that high of court documents from the three court cases that we had and um in the garage and I went into the garage and I got the bloody things out and brought them into my bedroom and I sat in bed for I don't know it probably took me a week or two to get through um all the um, material that I needed to remind myself of um, and siphon it down into a way that because the, the the detail of the the court process can even you know undo some quite experienced lawyers it's quite complex and I needed to write it in the way that was going to allow people to understand that complexity and um, and how difficult it was to navigate through it all but there were um, because we had an appeal we had the um, um, the um, what what is it when they um, like a summary or a transcript yeah yeah, a transcript thank you 
um, a transcript of our first court case, which, you know, probably was amongst the most stressful. Um, and Georgie was able to read it. And we um, we sat on the bed and, you know, I would have written a bit and called the kids in um, and said, can you read this bit? And um, they'd bring me in a cup of tea and they'd read that bit and we'd all have a cry and then we'd move on to the next bit. And it was really, you know, there were so many significant moments like that. And because of the pace of our life, because of court and everything that, that swept us up along the way, there was often very little time for personal reflection. So writing the book actually forced me to, and forced Georgie I suppose as well, to, to personally reflect on these, you know, quite unhappy experiences or just sad, you know. And um, so I, I'm not sure if at the time I felt like it was cathartic. It felt like I was... Um, re-exposing myself to to a lot of rawness but I think now that it's out and people are reading it it feels different it feels different now yeah it's really it's really lovely um um hearing people's responses to the book and the amount of people going oh my god I, f I feel seen, like I connect so much to how that was written or how that, you know, you know, your experiences, we, we experience the same thing and it feels so wonderful to feel affirmed in that way. And it's really, it's really um, lovely to hear that. We were doing an interview a few weeks ago um, and so I've got a twin brother, Harry, um, and, and the, uh, the interviewer said, no offence, Georgie, but Harry's my spirit animal. <laughs> like, like I connect so much with Harry. Yeah. Uh, like that's my character. Yeah. Um, and that, that was really lovely to hear. It's, it's just been great to, you know, having mum writing it and me reading it, difficult. It's so lovely to hear people reading it and really connecting to it. I, w I will say there's... Uh, a play that Harry writes, wrote for, for was it for Year Twelve? Is it Tale yeah, Tellers? Tale Tellers, yeah. And the idea for the script and it just sounds amazing. I really want to see this production that that Harry wrote in Year Twelve. <laughs> I just yeah. It was damn fine. It was. Fun. It was very very yeah. good. I can totally get the whole his mm. spirit animal thing. Mm. Yep, cool. Um, did you've maybe kind of answered this a little bit, but did you feel like Georgie was sort of looking over your shoulder a lot when you were writing this, or that? that she would be or that you wanted her to be? I, I invited her and I told her that nothing would go in the book without her permission. Um, and um, she didn't look over my shoulder, but, I mean, Georgie and I are very close, so um, she knew that the only thing that was going to power me through were cups of tea and hugs. Mm. And so she brought those and I forced her to read my stuff. <laughs> and... Um, and, uh, yeah, we got through that way. So um, uh, I, I think you just encouraged me because I did have a lot of self-doubt. I had a lot of self-doubt. Mm. I would um, say I'm not sure if I'm cut out for this and I don't know. Is it because you, you hadn't written a book before? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes I just couldn't see the wood for the trees, you know. 
I just couldn't see my way through it. And then I'd have a, you know, no one's going to find this interesting. It's just a dirge. It's a horror story. <laughs> no, no one's going to want to read this. Yeah, so there are lots of moments of doubt that, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyone can write a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, Turns out. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you say at the very start that um, there's things you sort of left out because some of the stuff is Georgie's story to tell mm. as well, as much as this is Georgie's story. But do you think you'll ever write a book uh, one day, Georgie? Um, I'd, I'd love to. Not right now. Um, I think I've got more living to do. Um, I, you know, eventually, definitely. Yeah. We'll see. Um, you mentioned before about uh, how you didn't sort of have a lot of time to react to things as they were happening. You probably didn't process things enough. Mm. One of the things I found really interesting was your reaction to the um, episode of Australian Story that you mm. did. And you talked about how you watched it the first time and you were kind of elated that the story was out there, but then you watched it again and again and all of a sudden it just sort of started eating away at you a little bit. Can you tell me, mm. explain to people about that? So we did an Australian Story um, three years ago and it was called About a Girl. And a fantastic journalist, um, Janine Cohen, who had also done um, a Four Corners um, called Being Me, which featured another young trans girl called Isabel Langley and Georgie and um, a guy called Paige Phoenix. So, um, but th this was Georgie's story and it was really about um, uh, changing the law around access to medical treatment. That was the message we were trying to get across. So we sit down and on a Monday night and uh, that theme song comes on. It's so familiar and you get these butterflies and we haven't seen it. We've just seen a transcript of, of the things that we've said that are included in it. Um, so we're nervous about what's going to be on there. And so you watch it and, you, and at the end of it you go, oh, you feel like you've dodged a bullet. Well, that was good, wasn't it? That was that was okay. I think I think that was all right. Yes, and then you watch it again, and you start going, "Oh, doesn't that's not that's not quite how I feel. That's not quite how it was. That's a little bit. That's twisted a little bit. I feel that's not quite us." And then the third time. I watched it and I just became so, ah, oh, it was like it wasn't us almost. It was like, um, I say it in the book, I think it was like um, mismatched socks. It just didn't, it just didn't quite fit. And I started to feel really anxious about it and... And, uh, yeah, I got into the shower and I just started howling and howling and howling. And it was like all of the, all of the blackness that had, um, uh, that was inside me from all of the hard stuff um, just screamed out of me. And... It was a really um, surprising reaction to that enormous vulnerability of telling such a personal story on such a massive scale 
and all of us felt that um, mm. to some extent, didn't we? We all, um, Georgie and Harry's dad, um, Greg, felt that way and yeah. Harry felt that way a bit. Mm. Um, and there are a few things I think if, if that was happening now <laughs> that, that, you know, wouldn't wouldn't have happened so much like sometimes where where we uh you know explain uh, our story a little bit and then they'll say that's great but can you say it like this mm. and can you say it like this and at one point I was asked to talk about me taking hormones and the specific effects that were happening you know in my body and they were saying, can you, like, explain it like that? And if that was happening now, I would just say, sorry, look, I'm not comfortable mm. talking about my body mm. so yeah. so vividly on, on mm. TV. I'm, I'm just not comfortable doing that. Um, and I had that kind of squirm at the time, but I was, you know, 16. Mm. So I, I didn't really have the confidence to say, no, I don't want to talk about that. Mm. Um, so I did. And then it ended up, you know, in, in the thing, uh, in the show. And so looking back on it, I'm just like, that that wouldn't have happened now, I don't mm. think. But then that's just that's just what we were saying before. It's our story, but through someone else's lens. It's it's someone else editing our story down for a twenty six minute package, um, and it's bound to come out in a way that doesn't fully feel truthful because it's, it's someone. It ends up kind of being someone else's story. Mm. Um, yeah. And but then after that, it seems like, especially through the uh, the writing of the book, you've kind of you've seen the good that kind of came out of that mm. episode and the way it affected other people as well. Mm. So you sort of mm. came back mm. around again by the same. Mm. It seems like in the book. Yeah, uh, that's true. Although I've never watched watched the program again, I just don't want to. I don't need to. Um, but the good that came out of that program was was immense. So um, around about that time, there was uh, that terrible, overblown, um, confected controversy around Safe Schools program, and that had really, really blown up as a result of you know the cranking up of the No campaign against marriage equality, um, and. What had happened was that all the advocacy work that we'd been doing around law reform was then just obliterated. Um, no one was interested. So what the Australian story did was get that back on the agenda and there were quite a few politicians who watched it but also, more importantly, there were um, quite a few lawyers who watched that and started offering their services pro bono to young people which meant that they could finally access treatment that they'd been excluded from before because the the court process unless you got a pro bono lawyer was costing families 25 to 30,000 dollars we couldn't have afforded that we managed to get pro bono lawyers and we were very lucky um, we lost 30 grand because um, you know we had contracts that were around the the court case time that we had to forego, um, so it was it was just a, a, a diabolical process, and so Australian Story managed to get real traction out there in the community, and it really cranked up the conversation again. And from then on, we didn't lose momentum. 
really in terms of, of, of getting that law reform achieved. Uh, we had interest from people um, who, who wanted to talk to us about it. It gave us much greater access to people that we could talk to about it. Um, Georgie was able to start um, a change.org petition, which we eventually took to politicians in Canberra and presented to the then Attorney General George Brandis. And he agreed that the, the law on this was an ass and eventually he intervened in a, in a case stated that came up and argued for law reform, um, which um, that case was successful. And then, then it was removed from the jurisdiction of the family court altogether. Yay! Um, yes, that's yeah. That definitely deserves applause. There's, there's quite as much as it is uh, quite sad in places. But there are a few bits you want to stand up and cheer. So mm. that's one of them, definitely. Mm. Um, you mentioned before that uh, the opposition around the safe schools program. There's, there's lots of opposition stuff that sort of pops up throughout. The book, but there's there's a great bit in there about a, a YouTube troll and about your reaction to it, where you suddenly feel like this Irish giant that's mother all. striding across the Scott. country. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Scott, sorry, a yeah, Scott. that's right, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, how often do you have to do you fight battles like that, where you are shutting down someone who's just saying the most horrible things across the internet because that's what the internet is apparently for these days. Mm. How often do you have to fight those kind of battles? Not, not often. We've, we've done it a couple of times. And it was um, uh, because the, the YouTube content was so inappropriate, it was just, um, it, was just uh, um, it, it just needed to be taken down. Um, if anybody here needs to know, the place to do that is the Office of the eSafety Commissioner. If anyone here gets trolled or or their kids being targeted or whatever, that's the place to go to, um, and that's who we went to. And it, it took a couple of goes to get it down because, as you know, Facebook and YouTube are not exactly fantastic citizens of the world. Um, but yeah, we got it down, and uh, uh, that that was good. But I don't kind of I I don't really identify. As as a as a warrior, really, I don't. It's just that that one bit though that was really nicely written that I could picture you as this giant Scots yeah. woman striding across yeah. the countryside demanding yeah. redemption. With, exactly. Yeah, I'd sit on you pretty yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was also fascinating too because I didn't I didn't even realise that that was a thing you could do that to get stuff taken down. How mm. that process actually worked. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, we didn't realise until we needed to either. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad those sorts of organisations exist. Um, Georgie, this is probably more a question for you, but do you f foresee a time... I mean, your generation seems really kind of hopeful and, and optimistic about things, even though to some of us older people it seems like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But... Do you foresee a time when this kind of trolling and bullying doesn't exist? Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I mean, I still think we have a long way to go. We definitely have a long way to go. Um, and our, our generation is really good. It's not perfect, um, but it is really good. Um, yeah, I... I 
I, I do think we've we've made we've you know made a lot of progress. It seems like your generation has a greater understanding of these things too, which is sort of touched yeah. on a little bit in the book as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I often find that adults tend to be the ones who make a bigger deal out of it. Yeah, adults. Yeah, adults. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, it's it's a, a lot of the time. The majority of the time is adults who are who um, are just are just going crazy over it in not a good way um but but you know uh um uh, our generation can be influenced by their parents and and uh, adults around them um and and you know there there are issues there as well um yeah i i do i do see a time where this isn't an issue but it's you know it we still got a lot of work to do um and you know, there there have been people fighting, for example, for women's rights for you know over a hundred years, and we've still got a long way to go there as well. Um, and the fight for trans rights is, you know, the, it, it's been going on for a long time, but it's ju- only just recently really come kind of blown up yeah, in a way. So we've got we've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. How. How do we convince? I was going to say the adults, but it's not. Th- th- how do we convey convince the haters and the opposition and the idiots and the Cory Bernardis mm-hmm. of the world that that they're that they're wrong? Like, how do we sort of how do we combat this this t- this sort of tide that you've kind of been mm-hmm. fighting against for a long time now? I don't think we combat it by trying to convince Cory Bernardi. <laughs> no, that's a lost cause, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think we combat it by raising beautiful, healthy, happy children who are excited about their future, who um, want to contribute to the world. Um, We change it by um, um, uh, bringing our communities along with us. Um, We change it by not hiding. Um, You can't convince somebody who... um, has grown up around a trans young person, that that young person doesn't have value. You can't convince that community that their loved one, their friend, their niece or their nephew or, you know, their non-binary child has no value. So the work that is meaningful is done in the community. And so many um, social... Um, changes that have been permanent and have been um, um, groundbreaking have come from the community. If we wait for politicians to get their shit together, we are doomed. <laughs> We're doomed in every way, shape or form. So, And the other thing is that I am done trying to convince people of Georgie's legitimacy. It's it's not even up for discussion. I, I don't need to convince a single person and Georgie doesn't need to convince a single person. She is and we are a family who loves and supports um, one another. And um, so those folks are really just going to have to eat our dust because <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just going to keep going forward. Um, because there's no way back. No one's going back. 
I do. I feel like there's a lot of people that if they just if they read this book, they'd probably stop being dickheads about it all. Really. Yeah, just a little bit less of the dickhead would <laughs> yeah. be great. Just tone it down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's Georgie? I'll ask you this one first. What's your favourite bit in the book? <laughs> I think I've stumped her. <laughs> I love I love reading about Harry and I when we were babies and when we were toddlers and the shenanigans we'd get up to um, uh, and reading about, you know, our relationship. Um, that really, really warms my heart because we are close. Um, uh, and so just reading about Harry and I as little kids just puts a smile on my face, I think, yeah. What about you, Rebecca? What's your favourite part in the book? Well, there's one story about an antenatal class I think you'll find amusing. <laughs> um, but I actually really like the end. You know, there's a lot of a lot of tough stuff in there, but it's a happy ending. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that question, you obviously haven't been asked that question before. No, that was no. a good okay, one. That was, good. Yeah, right. that was very yeah. good. Yeah. One point to me. Well I'm done. Very impressed, <laughs> yeah. Um, this one you, you've probably been asked quite a, a bit, but only only recently though. But um, what's it like being on Neighbours, Georgie? It's very fun. It's very <laughs> cool. Yeah. For those Thank of you who don't know, Georgie's um, now like a megastar because <laughs> she's on Neighbours. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was harsh. <laughs> We've obviously got a home and away fan in the audience. Oh, yeah. No, it's, all right. um, it, no, it's been awesome. It's it's been so much fun. You know, filming it, uh, working with the writers, um, the whole cast and crew are amazing. Um, watching it has been interesting. Like I like I like watching it, but I it's also we, like just weird, just seeing seeing the story like out there. Um, uh, can you can you tell people about the the story of you know and about your character? Yeah, so I play a, a, a schoolgirl called Mackenzie Hargraves, um, <laughs> who um, who is a, a trans girl, uh, and she and she arrived. I don't want to give any spoilers. She's, you know, she's a trans girl at, 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 the, at the school in Erinsborough and she makes some friends and she gets caught up in the drama and um, we wanted, what we wanted to do was um, uh, tell the story of a trans young person as truthful and respectfully as possible, um, uh, make it really positive, someone uh, young trans people can look up to and you know, see themselves in that character, um, but we also wanted to um, discuss uh, some of the some of the issues trans young people face, um, uh, and and uh, educate people as well. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just been wonderful getting to work on that story and that character. Um, uh, it's just been a real honor. Yeah. And. This was something that you actually pitched to neighbours yeah. and said, "Hey, you should 
did you say, hey, you should put me in your TV <laughs> show? Or did you just say, hey, you should have a trans character? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I uh, emailed the executive producer of Neighbours, Jason Herbison, at the beginning of last year and said, um, uh, I think it would be wonderful if we have a trans character um, on, on the show. And I, I kind of pitched what the character would be like. Um, the the story how she could be introduced uh, why it was important um, uh, and then you know I implied you know I'd like to play the character but then <laughs> after I sent it I realized was that not clear what if they're like that's a great idea and then cast someone else and I got a little bit anxious but then they were like great come in for an audition so I was like okay cool <laughs> great uh, and and uh, I auditioned um, and and they were like awesome, let's do this. Uh, and then and then uh, a year and a half later, um, Mackenzie Hargraves uh, made her debut last... On, on Ramsey Street. On Ramsey Street <laughs> uh, last Friday, yeah. And she came out a few days ago on screen, yeah. Yeah. So that's how you get on Neighbours. You just write yeah, to someone and say, hey, I should be on Neighbours. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, because you're studying acting as well. Oh, you you have studied acting. I or? yeah. So I, I took some uh, drama classes when I was sixteen, seventeen, uh, and then I at the beginning of the year I did one semester at uh, Melbourne Uni doing a Bachelor of Arts. Uh, but then I've deferred for this semester because um, uh, filming for Neighbours um, was extended a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, so I've deferred Is for it now. an ongoing role or is it uh, It's finished? a guest role for now. Okay, yeah, right. but it was, it was extended and uh, there was uh, a, a spin-off that they announced a few days ago that, I've, that I filmed as well and was a part of um, and that's airing later in the year. So do do you have do you know any uh, uh, stars of stage and screen that you could kind of ask <laughs> ask get advice about when you when you rocked up on the set? Well, my my mother here um, <laughs> was on Neighbours, uh, and my dad was actually on Neighbours as well. Um, so I did I did um, uh, ask them for advice, um, like how to get to Ramsey Street. Yeah, <laughs> directions, please. Um, yeah, um, it's you know, it's it's a real place. It's well, it's not called Ramsey Street like in real life, but it is a real place uh, in Nunawading if you want to visit. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I I asked mum and dad um, for for tips, and they were really good. Um, and and yeah, what, what I, advice? I did gave you? it. Oh, just you know. Relax. Just learn relax. your lines learn and your don't lines. bump into the furniture. Yeah. Learn your lines, hit your mark. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually teased her a bit and I nicknamed her Nana Wadding for a time because um, um, uh, years ago she got one detention oh and, and she was such a great student and she got this detention from the French teacher for forgetting to bring in her French homework. I did the homework, You'd but I just forgot to bring it in. Uh, I know. thought it was a bit tough, but it was. We know that, darling. You did your homework, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, I gave her the nickname of Alcatraz because <laughs> because she'd been so bad. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's ended up in Nana Wadding. Uh, 
could be worse. You could be in Nary Warren. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. She's from Nary Warren. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, that must be pretty cool having that shared passion for acting. I assume you have a passion for acting. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That must be a great thing to, to share because it's uh, from reading the book. It seems like you guys are very much a theatrical family. Mm. Mm. Uh, what's it like now to see, <laughs> see your daughter on Neighbours? It's really fantastic. The the loveliest thing was her coming home from work. Um, she was really tired. You know, long days on set, twelve hours on set or something. She'd leave at you know five thirty six in the morning every day. So a couple of times earlier than that, but she'd come home just so happy. She'd bounce through the front door and it, so that was really fantastic to see. But, yeah, we're a family of storytellers and, um, um, you know, Greg jokes sometimes that he wished somebody had rebelled and become a merchant banker. But um, <laughs> um, you are who you are and um, that's who we are, so that's what we do. Mm. Are there any other big roles on the horizon? Or are you not allowed to talk about those? Nothing right, right no. now. Okay. Um, but I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love to go to LA. Would, there's a, um, like it's just one line in the book it mentions that you got asked to audition for, for CW's... For um, Supergirl. So it's this CW show um, in America and, and called Supergirl. And it's about Supergirl. Uh, and it, it was in its fourth season and they had they uh, written a, a trans character, a trans superhero um, uh, that would be a series regular and they asked me to audition. But I was in year 12 and and filming would start when exams were starting and I, you know, it broke my heart. But stay I in school, kids. Stay in school, kids. Mm. Um, yeah, I wanted to finish school. Um, yeah, but that really broke my heart. Mm, yeah, but the one. wonderful Nicole Maines is, is – you should look her up. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. And she she got the part. And, uh, so are you yeah. a fan of the show? I I haven't watched it. Oh, but oh come <laughs> I'm on. I'm not bitter. <laughs> I've watched some scenes uh, and, it's, and it's great. And it's so awesome to see a trans character like – be a superhero and kick butt and, you know, wear a brilliant, like, latex suit. It's just like, oh, awesome. <laughs> but you haven't really? watched the show. <laughs> no, I haven't watched the show. Well, You don't, you can't get it. Like, you have to illegally download it to get it in Australia. There, might, there has to be a way. I'm not going to break the law. It's on Fox. <laughs> it's on Fox? I'm, thinking, I'm pretty sure it's on Foxtel. Oh, well, we don't have I'm Fox. still too tight to pay Yeah, no, that. fine. Sorry, <laughs> caused a family rift here. <laughs> um, but you do raise a good point. Like, there's not a lot of trans people to look up to on, you know, on our TVs, on, on our films. Are there any that you've kind of sought out? Or I mean, who who are some of your the people that you look up to in in that sort of way? I'm I'm currently watching the TV show Pose. And that is, and I think it has the largest ensemble of trans actors ever on a TV show, um, and it's and it's such a great show, um, and uh, you know they're trans people of color as well, a very you know, marginalized group, and it's just great to see stories, you know those trans stories, but not only that, but trans character, uh, trans actors playing those characters, <laughs> so significant. 
um, uh, but there was n- nothing like that you know, when I was growing up. Mm. Um, uh, n- nothing like that. I, I couldn't name a, a trans character on a show. The only other one I can think of is Orange is New Black. Mm. Yeah, is yeah, it, uh, yeah, Laverne, Laverne Cox. Cox yeah. yeah, yeah, I, w- I watched uh, the first mm. season of that. Yeah. yeah. But nothing uh, for a, a little person yeah. to say. No. Oh, that, that's, that could be my future and yeah. that looks positive and Yeah, because um, a, a lot of those, I mean, you know, it, it's great, you know, the, the character, having that representation is awesome, but um, with that show, you know, it, it's there, it's set in a prison. They're in jail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and with, with Pose, it's, it's awesome to see them, but, you know, a lot of them are doing sex work as well. So it's, it was kind of nice for the character of Mackenzie in Neighbours to be, you know, in year 11, very academically gifted. She wants to be a lawyer when she grows up. You know, she's, she's, you know, it's positive. Mm. And, that's wh- and that's what we really want. And that's what I would have loved as a kid to, to see a, a character just, you know, thriving and going, there's hope for me. That could be me. Um, it, you know, I really hope people can watch Mackenzie and and feel not only feel seen in everything but feel hope as well that they will be okay that's the thing a lot of people don't get about representation at the moment isn't it that they there seems to be this kind of backlash against even just more women being in movies which is just yeah. i don't know you know but that idea that that someone can look up and see themselves reflected back is such a huge thing Mm. isn't it yeah and we have a responsibility as storytellers as well to to think about the effect of the story we're telling as well um and how it's going to help people or how it's going to connect with people we you know we have a responsibility as people who are telling the stories to actually make sure what we're doing is right as well because mm. it's one thing to have that you know representation but then if it's young people seeing a trans person you know you know doing sex work or, or, or whatever it is uh and kind of going oh is that going to be what my future's like and and there's you know there's we walk a fine line of being truthful and 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 discussing the the real kind of experiences and hardships trans people face. And that's very important as well because we want to raise that awareness, but also something that will actually be, you know... Inspire. Inspire, yeah, yeah, yeah. and not just leave you with this hole inside you. Yeah. 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 Um, So much of the the book talks about uh, the... The, the court cases and the laws and the things that have been changed. Can you explain, there was a very recent change with the state government legislating about, about birth certificates. Mm, Can you just explain to people right. about, about what that meant? Um, so it was a couple of weeks ago now that the um, Victorian Parliament um, has um, changed the law. It will come into effect um, in May that trans and gender diverse people can... Um, change their sex on their birth certificates um, and they can also um, um, uh, nominate their own descriptor. So if somebody is non-binary, um, they, can, they can nominate that. Um, and uh, 
those changes are really, really significant for trans and gender diverse people because if you don't have documentation which reflects who is in front of another person, then that puts you in a significant amount of danger. It's often uh, the case that um, trans and gender diverse people have to explain to a complete stranger um, how they identify and it's not always in a safe place. Um, it makes it difficult to get bank accounts. It makes it difficult to apply for jobs. It makes it difficult to um, enrol in university or in school. It makes it difficult in medical settings. It, it makes it really difficult to get the everyday business of living done if you don't have documentation which accurately reflects who you are. Now, there was a lot of um, uh, upset and, again, confected outrage about the, you know, uh, unintentional consequences of changing a law like this. But I, I want everyone here to be honest with themselves and go, when was the last time anyone checked your birth certificate before you entered a toilet? And then we realise how those worries, those concerns are unfounded and how important it is for this, um, it's going to affect really positively the small number of people who are trans and gender diverse in our community and not affect another single one of us. So it's a really, really positive change um, that's going to do a lot of good. I, um, I think I said this at the start, but I found the book really uh, illuminating and very informative What's the, what do you think is the big thing that a lot of people don't understand about transgenderism and, and about people who are trans? Um, I think from my perspective, the thing that uh, a lot of people don't understand is that being trans is just one small part of a much bigger human person on this planet. And we are all more than our gender identity I'm a woman. I am way more than just that. And every trans or gender diverse person is way more than their gender identity. Because they're stigmatised and discriminated against, they have to fight a lot for their rights. And it means that they are forced to talk about themselves in ways that we have the privilege not to. So... Um, um, I think um, the thing that I would like people to understand is that trans people have way more going on in their lives than just being trans um, and they would very, very much like to get on with doing the fun stuff instead of having to fight for their rights every single day. I might just ask... One last question, then we might throw it open to the floor. If anyone has uh, any questions, just remember to be respectful. But this is a very safe place, and I expect you all will be because you're all very intelligent people. Uh, you've shown that just by coming to this event tonight. Um, you ladies have fought for a lot of stuff already, which is quite evident through the book. Uh, are there things that you feel you're still fighting for, or or advocacy, or things that are coming up? I mean, what's what's next for you both? 
Um, there are things coming up all the time, obviously, and um, the thing I think that's most critical now um, are the so-called uh, is the so-called religious freedom bill. Um, I think we need to be very, very alert and aware of what a religious freedom bill will do. Um, and essentially it is a licence to discriminate against LGBTI people. Um, so please make sure that you write to your local federal member and make sure that they understand that you don't support that because the impact is going to be profound. It actually means that people can discriminate against somebody because of their religious beliefs. That means a doctor can refuse to give treatment. It means that um, any service provider can refuse to give treatment. It means that teachers can be sacked from their jobs if they're gay or LGBTIQ. It means students can be kicked out of their school for being LGBTIQ. Um, it's a really, really significant inhibitor to justice and it's being done out of revenge for marriage equality that is absolutely the reason why this is happening the Ruddock review came out directly from the positive marriage equality vote so don't fall for it it's not a right that they that isn't already entrenched in our law at the moment Religious freedom is already a law in this country at the moment. This bill is giving people religious privilege to discriminate. Do we have any questions? Yes. So for those of you listening at home, uh, the question was, how many women have been part of your journey in, in positions of power? Mm. A, a, a significant number, but I wouldn't say that, that it would um, out, outweigh, I don't think. Um, what would your thoughts be on that? In positions of power? Oh, yeah, there, there have been a lot of really great women uh, who have been allies um, uh, for us, mm. um, uh, but y yeah, no. I, I, I think in the school setting, the 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 two principals who were really fantastic for us were women, mm. um, and also the the director of the gender service at the Royal Children's Hospital, um, Associate Professor Michelle Telfer who is an absolutely incredible woman mm. um, and a dear friend. Mm. Um, yeah, she's, she's been really incredible. Mm. Yeah. From, from just from reading the book, I, the f all the first people I thought of who were really key players in helping you along the way, the first ones that came to mind were all women. There's mm. um, Who's the judge who then became... Uh, oh, I've just the governor. Blank. Yes. Mm. Mm. No. <laughs> Well, not at first. Not at, well, no. But she came good. But she came around mm, in the yeah. end, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, that's a that's an interesting part of the story, and I think it's really um, um, uh, important too that that folks who may initially have been a hindrance to progress um, actually really came around. And I think um, one of the lessons that we can learn is that um, um, people can change. People can learn, they can adapt. And it's something that I've said in the book is, is that one of the things that I've learned from this experience is that there's no pain greater than the pain of resisting change. And if we think about it from a personal point of view, that, that when we resist change, we're not open to new possibilities. We're not open to, to um, um, th- that, that something better. And I think as a culture too, if we hang on too much to what's old, we can't process what's actually happening before our eyes. And I think we see that with climate change deniers. I think we see that with anti-vaxxers and, you know, people who who just can't see the science. They can't accept it. Um, and they don't want their worldview to shift. And that pain, we all feel. We feel that pain from their resistance to change. We're all feeling that pain. And... Um, uh, it takes a lot of courage to um, to let go of what you think you know about yourself, about another person, about the world. It takes a little bit of courage, but the payoff is enormous. You, you must have seen a few people over the years who have changed, who have had that courage to actually change. Can you tell us about some of those those kind of circumstances? Uh well, one person was Georgie's dad, um, who really struggled at the beginning. Um, was frightened, um, 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 thought that it wasn't really what was happening, um, and uh, reacted quite badly. And then he um, he really started to come around and he could see the pain that was Georgie was in and he could see that it was um, sincere. And um, um, so, yes, he then really started to turn around and, and we've seen that with a, with a few people close to us and then, and then beyond that even. So, um, yeah, I mean, change is possible and... We're all capable of of um, um, shifting our boundaries of understanding that little bit more, um, and it's another reason why I wrote the book because I have faith in people. I actually think people are lovely, even though sometimes I'm not given the evidence for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are generally really lovely, and I know that in our experience. Help has always come from the most surprising of places, hasn't it? The people you sometimes think are going to be the least judgmental are actually (laughs) a real hindrance because they know a little bit which makes them assume the rest, which is really unhelpful. But the people who say to you, I don't know anything about this, tell me about it. That's so lovely because they've just completely opened themselves up to something new. And we did an interview about three years ago on 
ABC Perth. And um, we got a message afterwards from the presenter saying that there was this old bloke. He was a he was from um, further up the coast from from regional WA, and he used to ring in. He was a bit of a you know cranky old bugger, and um, he rang up after hearing Georgie um, being interviewed and saying, "Well, you know what." I reckon she should just be allowed to be who she is. She sounds lovely, (laughs) you know. And that was just so great and you don't expect that. And and yet we've we've had kindness from so many people that we never expected to. So I think we should have more faith in each other, actually. I think... um, I think it would be nice if we could have more faith in each other and back each other in a little bit and go, I don't know anything about that. Tell me, tell me, tell me something I don't understand and help me understand. It would be nice if we could be more vulnerable and more open with each other like that. Do we have any more questions from the floor? Or have we all just let everything we did? Is that the positive note we want to end the the night on? Okay, cool. All right. They want wine. (laughs) (laughs) Can we please put our hands together again one more time for Rebecca and Georgie? (laughs)